It's the Super 90s Brothers! Tucker and Walker, we're missing three bags. What's in them? None of your fucking business! Shoots, socks, $100 million, the usual stuff. Welcome to Super 90s Brothers. Ow! Where we do hazy memory riffs on the most extreme decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler. And today we're talking about Cliffhanger. Ow! Well, Adam, it's it's been a while. Was that? Like, s- like that stained song. Like that stained song. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, you know, we had took August kind of off um, and uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share about that. And uh, you know, August was a busy month for for me myself. I was traveling and went on vacation, but, uh, but yeah, I wanted you to talk about it as well. Yeah. We missed at least one episode entirely because I couldn't do the show. Um, I just wanted to say that I lost my dog about six weeks ago, Jasmine, and I've really haven't handled it very well. Like I, I've been like really pathetic since it happened, to be honest. Like I just really miss her. And one of the days that Brennan and I were supposed to do the show, and I just like, I couldn't get into the right headspace. And I felt like it was going to be awful. So I'm sorry we missed the show because of that. There was a few other scheduling issues, but and since um this is our show and we can do whatever we want, I just wanted to take just a couple seconds to say that Jasmine was the best dog I'd ever known. She was the sweetest, cutest dog I'd ever seen. And she was such an amazing fit for me and my wife. And I just miss her every day. And um, those of you dog lovers out there, you know what I'm talking about. You have these dogs and it's the way they, the way they intertwine themselves into every facet of your life is really very unique. And I non-dog people, I don't think really get it. And I certainly didn't before this dog. But anyway, I just want to say, you know, thanks for giving us grace to do the show on our own terms. And Jazzy, I love you so much, sweetie. And I hope that when I die, I can be with you. Well, that's really, I'm I'm sorry that you lost Jasmine. Um, I would like to say, I believe Captain is probably rolling around in his grave right now. You saying that she was the best dog, because I, I really thought that was Captain's title. But So I'm not like, I'm not like one of these historic dog guys like i was pretty lukewarm on dogs pretty much my whole life before i had jasmine the one exception was brennan's dog captain who was this sweet little poodle and he was just the most perfectly behaved dog ever and i i asked brennan if we could clone him and brennan you know got all cheap on me and said i'm not spending fifty thousand dollars to clone a dog (laughs) i was like fine cheap ass Uh... so I never got to I never got to bond with Captain the way I would have liked to because he could have been my own clone version, and instead I got Jasmine, which you know, if I'm being honest, Jasmine physically probably fits me and Jill a little bit more, the way she looks versus the way Captain looks. Captain looks like a good dog for me if I was single, mm. but Jasmine looks like more a dog I would have with a wife. 
So the next episode we'll be doing is Homeward Bound. Let's put that out there now. No dogs die in that, at least, you know. So yeah, you only have to deal with like the crippling realization that Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's while he's delivering his performance. <laughs> so it was like a year or two after his diagnosis. Oh, you're right. It was, wasn't it? Uh... So while no dogs pass in Homeward Bound, it's equally depressing to me. Uh, but uh, since please give you know pity on us and please you know do us a favor and go give us those five star reviews, right? Yeah. That's how you can give us condolences for the loss of <laughs> Jasmine and, and Captain a few years ago. Yeah. Um, you can give us those awesome five-star reviews on Apple iTunes Music, Super90sBrothers at gmail.com, at Super90sBrothers. Brennan is at SpoCastPods, AdamPitzel.com. You've heard it before. Rate us, review us, share us with your friends. That's all we ask. And um, your reward is an awesome episode about Cliffhanger, which I've been stoked to do for a while. Cliffhanger is like one of my favorite 90s action movies. And I don't, I try not to throw those terms around like favorite. I try not to say that if I don't mean it, I mean it. Cliffhanger, I, I really love Cliffhanger. I'm excited to do this. I'm excited that you're excited to do this. I'm excited to finally shit on a movie, Adam. So, uh, but oh, good, good. Yeah. yeah. So it's you, great. you know, you, you're no good at this role, by the way. Whenever you act like you don't like something, you're going to come in and you're going to set, like it never really worked. I do have a bone to pick with this movie. Okay, that's fine. I'm sure there's bones. There's a ton, ton. There's a lot of bones in this movie. A lot of bodies. I mean, it's not a, a big death count, but almost everyone dies in this movie. <laughs> it's a plentiful death count. Um, but before all that, uh, I, I want to set the scene a little bit for you guys. So I want you all to travel back in time. Close your eyes for a moment. Picture yourself. It's May 1993. A gallon of gas is only $1.16, Brennan. Beanie Babies had just been formally introduced, and the radio starts playing. It's the tunes of the time! Oh, yeah! Tunes of the time! Yeah! That was a number eight song in the U.S. at the time, Nothing But a G Thing by Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Doggy Dog. You have Snoop Dogg on there, but that was when Snoop Dogg was Snoop Doggy Dog. Uh, well, thank you for pointing that out to the audience who couldn't read the prompt. So... <laughs> <laughs> um. I appreciate uh, you saying that. Now, this this song's bumps, right? Like, this song's fucking awesome. This is kind of one of those songs that whenever it starts playing, you're like, yeah, this song. But it, but it's also one of those songs I never knew the, the name of it. Oh, I, like, I this is, like, one of my favorite Dr. Dre songs. I mean, this is from The Chronic. It's the, one of the most famous hip-hop albums of all time like this is when dr dre had left nwa and was having the like the beast the beast um the beef, the beef. with ice cube and easy e and um and i i don't know if this is exactly true but i, I want to say this is like snoop dogg's like first feature ever like no one knows who snoop dogg is at this moment um 
and yeah, it's one of my favorite rap songs of all time. So yeah, it's awesome. Uh, really, really nice to find a an. I think these are my favorite ones, honestly. When I'm when we're doing our tunes of the time, when I find some really awesome rap song that's in the top ten, right around that song, those are the ones I try and pick. Mm. It's the R and B ones that kill me, but these ones, I like. It's great. This is a great song, and I, I mean, you could play this today anywhere, and everyone would dance to. It. We should say this music video is such a weird music video. <laughs> it's the video is just like a big Sunday barbecue and then a house party with a bunch of hoes. There's like cars bumping and volleyball and dancing and people are drinking and you know token. And then and then at the end of the video there's this one like stuck up hoe and they like spray her with malt 40s and like humiliate her until she leaves. They're like fuck this bitch. And so they just like they shake up a bunch of malt liquors, douse her with them, and humiliate her in front of everyone to make her leave the party. That's justice. Hey, it ain't nothing but a G thing. Um, yeah, it, I honestly think that's how the, the video was filmed. It was just like they got their friends together and they just filmed. Like, I've seen better production value at, with locally produced rap videos here in Spokane. And uh, But this is like early early like hip-hop like this is way earlier tech though like early and they don't even have like they probably filmed it in like 92 i would say probably and uh and they don't have any money like they this is before dr dre and snoop dogg were like really really rich they don't i don't even know if they're wearing chains in this video and dr dre directed this too yeah he directed the video which you know very few rap artists do that so but uh it, yeah, it's a really, really good song. And uh, I definitely remember watching this video. I mean, this was on heavy rotation on MTV. I just always thought it was really funny how like, not funny, but I thought it was like the cars because it was like as a as a white boy in Spokane, Washington, you didn't see many, uh, you didn't see not many, you didn't see any like lifted cars that with, that had hydraulics on with them. The hydraulics? Yeah. yeah. So my, my stepbrother, Corey, who's six years older than me, he used he fucked his car up to a point where we could get the hydraulics working and he would like take me to like Burger King, you know, and like bump his car down the road in like Renton, Washington at the time. <laughs> so I you probably saw like a few sh- you know, piece of shit Hondas doing shit like that. Right. Yeah. Like what we were driving. But a couple a couple fun facts about this video. 88 million views on their official YouTube video as of last week. Um Bryn mentioned this was the number eight song at the time. The song God is high is number two. Still not as high as Snoop Dogg. And then lastly, on the Rolling Stones 500 greatest songs of all time list, they brought this song in at number 419. <laughs> Brennan, it's criminal. They didn't drop it one slot and give it the number 420 slot. I, How could they possibly do that? I have no idea. That is bizarre. That that it's that the four hundred nineteenth best song ever. It's not four hundred twentieth, which I'm sure is some like Sammy Hagar, <laughs> like <laughs> nothing about weed. Like <laughs> that's funny. They definitely missed it. They missed an opportunity there to to make they that. Missed a, they missed a very green opportunity. Maybe there. it's a maybe it is a Snoop Dogg song. We just don't know. Speaking of getting high, our feature film is all about people getting high on a mountain. We're talking. About, <laughs> that's so stupid. We're talking about cliffhanger. Ow. So many high puns today, man. Yeah, I, I'm over it. I mean, we we had Snoop Dogg. It was just it just worked out that way. I'm over it. No more high puns. Hopefully. Uh, maybe well, one. I mean, maybe one because I I got really high and watched this movie. 
Yeah, I want to. We're going to talk about that during your Brennan's Bad synopsis, if you don't mind. Oh, I'm going to leave the impressions. I've never seen this movie before last night. Um, never. What? I've never. Why seen would you movie. agree to do this? Because you, you, we. I thought I had seen it. I thought I had, <laughs> but I had never wait, seen wait. it. So you, you had seen something and you thought it was Cliffhanger. You know, it was. And whenever people talked about Cliffhanger, you would populate that movie in your mind. Is that what you're saying? I don't. I never talked about this movie that much. I don't. Don't think it was that well liked in in my circle of friends. And yeah, I don't. I mean, you guys I, were listening to Mariah Carey. That's true. I've I watched a lot of '90s action movies, and this is not not one of the best '90s action movies, in my opinion. I've seen all the best '90s action movies. No, you and, haven't. You haven't even seen The Rock. Well, that's fair. I don't think you've seen Leon the Professional either, have you? I've you know I've seen that. I've watched that recently. Like right. I mean, I've watched that later in my life. Like yeah, I miss some. I I don't know why I miss sums and not a, you're some not, and not others. You said you're not an action on this podcast. You've said you're not that into action. If it's too much, if it's too much action, I just like I lose it. It loses me. But you watch Schwarzenegger, like but it has like a story. There's stories in like Schwarzenegger's movie. Like Terminator has like, a story. Has a really good plot. It has a really There's good a plot in Cliff. All right. Oh my well, we'll god. Yeah, that. we'll get into that. What is your? What are you? What were you? What were your? When did you first see it? When it came out on pay per view. Um, mm. I've said this a couple times. We had one of those illegal pirate boxes in the '90s where like you could watch pay per view. I remember all my uncles were always at my house for every Mike Tyson fight. Like everyone would come over to our house to watch Mike Tyson like mm. pay per views. Well, also on pay per view you get like new movie releases, right? And um, my I came home from school one day and my sister had been home earlier than me and she was recording cliffhanger on a vhs off of pay-per-view mm. and she and i watched like she like watched it together and was like oh this is really this is really good i really like this it. It really fun and so i this is one of those movies that i had owned on a vhs one of those magical vhs's that just stayed with you that you watch all the time that had like three good movies on it mm. i had owned it forever and and like grew up with it and once i once i we switched to dvds i bought it on dvd actually that's not true Two different people gifted me the DVD of Cliffhanger. Oh, wow. Um, you talked about it that much. Yeah. People <laughs> knew I like Cliffhanger. So, all right. Uh, let's get to your initial impression. Let's get to your bad synopsis and just and just cut ahead. to. I want to hear your story. Brennan's bad synopsis. Ow. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to say, last night, I do a podcast, and we usually smoke smoke before it and when I talk about smoke I'm not talking about cigarettes um but I got really high and I got really high last night like high to the point that I had to leave my car at my studio get a lift home because I was super super paranoid like I was just it was like the one of the worst highs I've had in a while and it's why like I don't smoke a lot of weed is because I I never know what kind of high I'm gonna get because I've been dabbling more with like sativa and like and I know that's more of a head high, but this one is like, it effed me up. But I also knew I needed to watch this movie because I, you know, the month of month leading up to recording this, I didn't have enough time. And uh, and so I started watching it last night. Uh, and the movie starts out with... Were you watching it by yourself? I was watching it by myself with, uh, with, my, with my nice headphones on that, you know, you get really good uh, sound quality. Oh, okay. And so like, so your beats with your beats by Dre. Yeah, and exactly. And I, the movie starts out with uh, the main character, one of the main characters, uh, 
I don't know their I don't uh their Tucker um Michael Rooker and his girlfriend stuck on a mountain and and Sylvester Stallone is there to save them off the mountain or get them off the mountain. There's also a helicopter there. Sylvester Stallone's girlfriend's also there who's part of like and I guess they're part of a uh, a mountain the rescue. Rocky Mountain Rescue Crew. But they don't really set that up at the very beginning of the movie. They'll let you know that. Do they? I mean, who else would be saving people on top of a mountain? I don't know, because they're also friends. I'm like, why is a friend saving this person? I was like, I didn't get it. I was just like, what is going on? Like, I know this is a climbing movie. And then, but what has happened is that Tucker has gotten hurt on top of the mountain. And the Sylvester Sloan and the, the, they have a helicopter and they're, they're getting them off the mountain. Tucker gets off the mountain. He gets under the helicopter and then, but he, they got to get his girlfriend across, across and she's not very good at climbing mountains. She's kind of, uh, uh, maybe she hasn't done it much at all. They, they say she's kind of new. Yeah. Okay. And, but you have to, she has to like pull herself across this like wire into the helicopter, which is a pretty long distance. I'd say like close to like probably like 50 meters and like half of a football field and she can't do it. And she starts, getting really nervous and then her harness starts falling off and then all of a sudden she's like falling and she's holding on to her harness and off this like from in the middle of like a mountain to a helicopter and Sylvester Stallone has to go and save her or try to save her (laughs) and then he swings in and goes onto the wire and grabs her hand and then there's like five literally it's literally like five minutes of her screaming, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then other people being like, don't let her, don't let her go, Walker. Like, it's just like he has all this pressure to save this woman, but he has one hand on her and she's not helping the situation at all by screaming and not listening to Sylvester Stallone. And then what happens? She dies. (laughs) She falls and dies to her death. But it's like a very high intensity scene to start the movie out. Like they started off like, very scenic they're like in the mountains it's very beautiful but then all of a sudden it like goes from like oh a two to like a 10 in like 10 minutes i think it, this just sounds like somebody who's really high describing a movie yeah, like that, it was so intense it People was very, screaming and dying and- <laughs> it was very intense and then the movie ends when I mean, the movie ends that's the end of the movie uh but uh then they cut the scene in the scene ends and then they cut to like now they're in colorado and they're there's I imagine they're in Colorado in the in the movie, but they're at the like Federal Reserve and they're the these I don't know if they're FBI agents, but these agents are they're transferring all these thousand dollar bills from uh Colorado to California via plane. And and I'm gonna kill this synopsis because I'm telling already telling too much. But basically what happens is there's a mole in in the team and they there's a mole in the in the fbi team but we don't know who it is at the very beginning because you kind of think this new guy who they're who they're transferring with from colorado to california is the mole but he's not he just gets killed immediately but in this like they in this like scene where they're flying the plane to california there's another plane that comes along and like comes into their i don't know into their view their fly zone their fly zone and this plane is going to transfer these boxes full of thousand dollar bills to this new plane but 
all this shit happens and people get killed and they it doesn't happen in the in these boxes of cash fall to down into the mountains you know where obviously Sylvester Stallone you know that's where he does his his job of being a, on the Rocky Mountain rescue crew god this is terrible you're going fine i mean this is what happened yeah this is what happened i mean this is this is really like setting the scene cuz like that's basically the premise of the movie is like these boxes of $1000 bills are on these mountains and uh these criminals these these criminals these the bad guys are international terrorists international terrorists we have no idea where they're from are they they have to go down and they crash land into the mountains and they are now set to like go find these three different boxes that have fallen in various places and what they do is they call a distress signal to get help and then we kind of we get a little bit of a a brief pause from what's going on with these uh with the bad guys and we go back and it's been 8 months since the death of this woman and Sylvester Sloan comes back he's been gone from after the death like he feels terrible and he doesn't he can't be you know in the mountains anymore with his uh which the the people who he's with is his best friend and his I'm guessing girlfriend or maybe wife um I don't think they're I don't think they're married um but let me just lay the players out yeah there's a Rocky Mountain rescue crew and mm. it's Tucker and Walker and that's Sylvester that's uh, Michael Rooker and Sylvester Stallone that's Tucker and Walker Rooker and Stallone and then there's Jesse and this older guy that also worked for the Mount Rocky Mountain Rescue Crew and Jesse is Stallone's ex-girlfriend mm. who he broke up with essentially when he killed Tucker's girlfriend because of the shame it led to him so he kills this girl and he leaves the Rocky Mountain Rescue Crew breaks up with his girlfriend because he's so shameful mm -hmm. eight months later he randomly decides to come back to like try and see if Jesse wants to leave there with him because he can't be there anymore and and decide when she says no he's like well I guess I'll just take the rest of my stuff and get out of your life then yeah at that time that's when they get the distress call and Jesse says something like which doesn't make any sense because like like Stallone doesn't work at the Rocky Mountain Rescue anymore but for some reason Jesse's like hey Hal's up there with some climbers in distress he could really use the help since you're randomly here you know yeah well he's the best even of the though best. he doesn't work there anymore you know it, it should be like okay you're not an employee you don't get to go use Rocky Mountain Rescue resources anymore you don't work here you're not insured get the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah and Sylvester Stallone says no he's not going to do it that's past him um and then beneath him beneath him and and so michael so hal takes off to go save him but then but then sylvester sloan is waiting at the top of this mountain and then they have like a, a brief like hal's like they kind of like a a fight like a little argument hal's on like, the mountain. we don't need you here yeah. you walked away after you dropped my girlfriend and so they go and respond to the stress signal and then immediately as they're responding to it, they're like getting guns pulled on them. And, the, and all of a sudden, the guys that were, the bad guys that are on the plane that had masks on have now revealed themselves. And one of them being the main villain, John Lithgow, um, Quaylen, who is like a, his, he, who's, the voice he's doing is like a mixture of like English and like 
the brain from Pinky and the Brain. Like that's the voice he does, and you'll hear it later. Okay, where did you where did you read up on his shitty accent? There's no you picked it up yourself, or you read it when I was when I so I finished the movie this morning at work, and I was like, God, that voice it sounds a very and I like and it struck me. I was like, that's he sounds like the brain. He sounds like the brain from Pinky and the Brain. Don't you think? Yeah, I I one of the fair criticisms of this movie is that they asked john lithgow to do this english accent but they cast him alongside a bunch of actual like english actors mm-hmm. who who were doing real accents <laughs> and he's doing this weird like pinky in the brain accent like you said and when you pair those next to each other in front of americans even americans can hear the difference you know like <laughs> hey that he doesn't sound like them he sounds like a cartoon they all they all sound different to be honest with you like but now these bad guys are like stuck in the mountains and they want to get these these boxes of cash back, but they need, you know, experts to help them do it. And so they basically take uh, Sylvester Sloan and Hal, Michael Rooker hostage to make them go and get these boxes back. And I'm not going to play out the rest of this movie because there's a, because uh, there's, a, I'm not going to go step by step anymore, but um, that's basically setting it up. And the mole who is a guy named, whose character's name is Rex. He's like the FBI agent. His name is like, Travers. In Travers in the movie. Everyone just calls him Trevor. He worked for the FBI and he decided to say F you and partner with Quaylen to help steal the money. Yeah. He was how he was how Quaylen was able to try and steal the money. Was he told them where they were going to be and he helped work out this operation where they could commandeer the FBI's money plane yeah. and get the money over to the real plane and be gone scot free. Problem is they didn't account for somebody extra in the FBI plane who happened to have a machine gun because he was um, kind of aware there might be a mole. So the, the FBI kind of had a guy there who sort of blew up the plan yeah. and shot a bunch of terrorists and shot down the terrorist plane and made everything kind of go haywire. Kind of the rest of the movie is spent with like the Sylvester Stallone character. Like he eventually escapes uh, like being hostage while his friend Hal is being kind of, he's now the one being kept hostage and taking orders from uh, John Lithgow's character. And, but then his girlfriend comes back into the picture and like kind of shows up to help out as well. And then the rest of the movies is kind of like a lot of back and forth of like them shooting at each other, people dying, people action scenarios, and basically ends up with all the main, main characters die. The the old man pilot dies, um, but then all the bad guys die. And then the movie just ends. Like that's really it. Like he doesn't get the money. And the last scene, the last scene was, I will say, is really, really good. A very, very good action scene. That's it. It's a, they, these bad guys lose their money. They all die. And, uh, I mean, what happens in any heist movie? The bad guys lose their money and everybody dies. You're making it sound like that's not a viable plot. That's what happens in like every action heist movie ever. I wish there were, the good guys would have got something from it though. Like there wasn't even any like, like, what do you ho- mean they felt? They did get like there was Stallone even... overcame his his right. anxiety about dropping that woman, and he got his ex girlfriend, the hot chick from a Northern Exposure, back. What more do you want? That's fair. Yeah, there is a very similar scene at the very end of the movie where she's falling, and but this time she listens to to Sylvester to and doesn't freak out, and she you know doesn't die. You no, know, she's also like a Rocky Mountain rescue employee that was the also woman the, who died at the beginning was just some random woman that was a point that he made he's just like she shouldn't have been on the mountain 
So she shouldn't have been. Who takes somebody that high up and with that doesn't know how to climb? First of all, and secondly, how do you if you're already at the top of the mountain? How did you hurt your knee on the very top? <laughs> it's like a <laughs> like you you got up to the mountain, celebrated, and yeah, then you hurt like, your knee, and then couldn't climb. Like, like like that like that kicker in the who was what's that guy's name who like celebrated after making oh, a, Bill Grammatica. Bill Grammatica, yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's get into the characters a little bit. Uh, oh, real quick. The budget of the movie was seventy million. The box office was two hundred and fifty-five million. So this movie did quite well, Vernon. Um, I believe that it did. It was a successful action movie starring a very successful, accomplished action figure, Sylvester Stallone. Um, obviously, he's famous from the Rocky movies, the Rambo movies. Tango and Cash had come out a couple years before this. A bunch of other shit. I mentioned he worked for the Rocky Mountain Rescue Group. He's he was best friends with uh, Michael Rooker, um, this guy, and then his character name is Hal Tucker, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Brennan said he loses the girl at the beginning, and then he he kind of becomes a recluse for a few months. Comes back on the same day that the terrorists are there in the Rockies, and really the plot is like the terrorist group calls the distress signal. Stallone and Michael Rooker show up. And the terrorist group take them hostage and say, we have three missing bags of money in these mountains. Here's a transponder that tells us how to find them. We don't recognize these areas based on how they look like. Do you? And they've got guns on them. And they're like, yeah, we know where this is. They're like, okay, you're going to take us to these bags. Otherwise, we're going to kill you. Yeah. And so they're leading these terrorists through the Rocky Mountains, who aren't climbers, to find these missing money bags. Um, And at some point... Stallone escapes because he realizes that they're just going to kill them when they're done anyway. He's already seen them kill people. So Stallone escapes, leaves Tucker there to be the only guide. And then the rest of the movie is spent like Stallone's really trying to save Tucker's life. And to do that, to do that, he has to get to the bags first. So it's like a race. Mm. Stallone has to find these bags before that the terrorists and Tucker do so that he can hide them and keep them wanting more money to keep Tucker alive. Because if all the bags are gone or the terrorists have them, Tucker's dead. Yeah. So the movie's about Stallone has an opportunity to get his conscience right because he feels responsible for the death of Tucker's ex-girl, well, ex-girl, Tucker's girlfriend, and he has the opportunity to specifically pay back Tucker by saving his life mm-hmm. after, you know, he did have a hand, we'll say, in his girlfriend's <laughs> fall. Even though it wasn't, you know, it wasn't his fault. He was there. I get it. I yeah. mean, you'd feel responsible. Like, even if it's not, not really your fault, you'd feel responsible if you were still on. I would have let go um, of her early on. But So there's this there's this great line that I want you to drop from the movie. That's, so the his name is Walker. Like, Stallone's name is Walker. And John Lithgow's name is Quaylen. And that's all I'm going to say. I must admit you're a real piece of work. Yeah, and I must admit you're a real piece of shit. That's the whole book. Um, <laughs> I I had to have it because it's one of those my 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 best friend Chris Big Chris his last name is Love Walker so we'd <laughs> always call him Walker because I'm just too lazy to call him Love Walker so he was always like Chris Walker on my phone mm. so we would often say to him I must admit Walker you're a real piece of work at which point he would respond and I must admit to you Adam you're a real piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. this movie is f- full of like one-liners like i would say I know it's a 
It's a perfect 90s action movie. <laughs> There's no backstory, obviously, to him. Like, he's just... He's a Rocky Mountain Rescue guy. What do you want to know? I just want to... I don't know. I want to know, like, how he got into climbing. Climber. Like, you're such a... How he becomes such a good climber. I don't know. You you always come up with these strange ways to add 25 worthless minutes to the movie. How did Stallone get into climbing? <laughs> Why does he have the GP drives? That one scene when he left, he hadn't tied his shoes yet. And the next shot, he had them tied. Why didn't we see them getting tied? Like, you're always saying shit like that in these podcasts. I'm like, what are you talking about? Nobody wants to watch this stuff. I do have to say that John Lithgow's character, Quaylen, is by far a great villain. Like, he... And this is, like, John Lithgow. He's, like, off... He's just off of, like, doing Harry and the Hendersons. Like, like John Lithgow... I know. J John Lithgow is, like, a, a dad. Like, is a, he's, like, a... This is not a character that he plays. Is it? Like, he wasn't doing villains yet. No, it's very off-type. No, like, when you see it, you're like, wait, is that the dad from Harry the Hendersons? You're like, holy shit, it is the dad. Uh, John John Lithgow went on to be the dad in Third Rock from the Sun, which was really popular in the 90s. He was also in the Twilight Zone movie in the 80s, that really famous Twilight Zone mm. movie that had that horrible accident. Um, that He was not a part of the accident, but he was part of the anthology movie. Uh, and John, John Lithgow was... I wouldn't even call him mid-tier at this time. I mean, he was, you know, a fledgling lower-tier actor. I'm not sure how he got this role, but I thought, I mean, I loved him in it. It was very, I mean, you can see why I like it, right? There's yeah. like, it's an action movie. You've got this, you know, evil British terrorist who has a helicopter and is killing random citizens over millions of dollars. Like, I, yeah. And you've got Sylvester Stallone on a fucking mountain with, and, and, and no one has said this yet, and I want to underline it. This movie has amazing cinematography. The, the way that they captured the action scenes being at the top of a fucking mountain, the way they did, is yeah. amazing. That's it's really, really hard to do, people, to get good shots like that. It's it's incredibly hard to do. I guess say, I feel like John Lithgow might have been a little bit more famous than we give him credit for at this time. I mean, he did Twilight Zone. He did uh, Terms of Endearment. He did. He was in Footloose, which is a humongous '80s movie. Have you? Oh, I have a confession. I've never seen. It. Uh, and he plays like the the dad of the girl who's like he's like the reverend and he's like telling the kids not to dance. Okay. But like Harry and the Hendersons came out in '87. I I thought that was an early '90s movie. That's a late '80s movie. But he so it's been good five years. And so, but I made a. I said that this is like one of his first villain movies, and then I realized he was a, the bad guy in this. De early Denzel Washington movie called Ricochet. Have you ever seen Ricochet with Denzel Washington? He like plays no, like No, but it was on streaming the other day. You should you should watch it. Denzel Washington plays plays a young cop in the LAPD. <laughs> this is a prequel to a Training Day. John Lithgow plays a maniacal like criminal. So, but uh but yeah, he's that. but he's great. He's a he's a great villain in this and uh apparently had a lot of He is. He's a great villain. He, and he's been and, and he's, they set him up. He's been a great villain in a lot of other movies. And they, they set him up as sort of like this world class wanted international terrorist who has the connections to pull off a heist like this. Mm -hmm. And it is a very complicated mid air plane heist. It's it's a really cool, interesting heist scene. It's not a bunch of people run into a bank with guns, which is normally what a heist scene is. Like it's very original. And he puts together this like ragtag group of terrorists to do it. And it's it's a very unique plot. And um, I also think he has a great, a bunch of great lines. And we will play another one of these for you now. You want to kill me, don't you, Tucker? 
I'll take a number and get in line. <laughs> so I'll say that to people like when they'll say like something negative about me, like, man, Adam, I'd love to punch you in the face. I'll take a number and get in line. And I'll say it in my like kick in the brain voice. <laughs> so yeah, big fan of that line. There's one other line I really love that I don't even really get it. I just love the way he sounds when he says it. Kill a few people, they call you a murderer. Kill a million, and you're a conqueror. Go figure. That's the line right there. That was the line where I was just like, how he said conqueror. Like, it's... Conqueror. It, it, it sounds a lot like uh, the brain from Peaky and the Brain. Also, who calls anybody a conqueror? Have you ever heard that term even once in your life ever? Oh, check that guy out. He's a conqueror. He killed four people. <laughs> I, I mean, like, that doesn't exist. Nobody calls you a conqueror. <laughs> they wanted to have the the conqueror and then the murderer. Like they wanted to like have the two errs yeah. in the lines. I bet the dialect coach was just like drinking so hard every night <laughs> as they were like approving these these dailies. He's like, oh my god, I have to. I'm gonna have to get a new stage name to get jobs after this. I did a zero research for this movie, but I kind of feel like this might be a situation where like. John Lithgow wasn't supposed to be this like someone dropped out and like they replaced them with John Lithgow because there's no way that they just like they pinned him to be this this character originally yeah, right we know we don't know that I, I thought he's good I mean I no, know he's his great. accent he's isn't great. good yeah his I, his accent is good but the character's good and, and he's good so fair I don't know I I like John Lithgow um so there's a few other characters in the movie we should talk about. Uh, we mentioned Michael Rooker as Hal Tucker. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Rooker was, he played like McMasters in the movie Tombstone, which is kind of a side role. He was sort of like the crotchety dad who's running the game show in Mallrats. Oh, he, yeah. plays the, he plays the evil bad guy squid boyfriend of um, the hot blonde in the movie Slither. If you guys like horror and you have not seen the movie Slither, what the fuck are you doing with your lives? Slither is one of those perfect little like mid 2000s horror movies that got no love for some reason. Mm. But the real ones know it. The real horror fans all know Slither. So if you have never heard of Slither and you like horror movies or you like Michael Rooker, do yourself a favor and like watch the trailer of Slither today. I, it, you may have just found your new favorite horror movie. I fucking love Slither. And then Michael Rooker was also in The Walking Dead the first couple seasons. Yeah, and I will say, um, like, he kind of had a resurgent af after The Walking Dead. Like, I think he did that that character, and then he started getting a lot more better parts in Hollywood later in the, the 2010s. Uh, I think yeah, he's a he, really, really good right. actor. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's really he's got this really kind of gravelly voice. Plays Yondu in the Guardians of the Galaxy, for those who like the MCU. The movie also features, I think, somewhere from the Caribbean. His name is Leon, and he goes by just Leon, and he was in the movie Cool Runnings. And he plays sort of like a mean British terrorist who kickbox who's like a kickboxer in this movie with who likes knives. His character is is very strange. It's just it's like very 80s action villain. Yeah, like it was just like we're gonna put a black guy in this movie, kind of thing. I yeah. feel like, and him, the way he gets killed though. <laughs> yeah, talk about that. The way awesome. he gets killed is like him and Sylvester Sloan are like getting into a fight in a cave. Like they're in this random cave uh, on the mountain, and there's like all these stalagmites and stalactites. 
I don't, I don't remember exactly like like they're kicking and punching and stuff like that. And then Leon's like Leon's like kicking the shit out of Stallone. Yeah. And then Stallone like stabs Leon in the leg with like a little pocket knife or something. Yes. And then grabs Leon by the balls and like <laughs> body slam lifts him up into the fucking stalagmites, <laughs> like piercing piercing the black guy through his heart. He like he's essentially doing like a like a press slam up into the fucking stalagmites. <laughs> it's awesome. It's probably the best death in this movie easily there's there's a bunch of great deaths that's why i like this movie has cool deaths you you didn't have it in the notes but the mom from uh hook is like the the bad woman she's like the pilot she like she like is the one that crash lands oh. and like and i was like that woman looks really familiar and i'm like who is that her name's uh carolyn good good goodall carolyn goodall yeah and uh, yeah, she was in Hook. She plays the the mom in Hook, and she's also in. Uh, she plays the wife of um, I don't know his first name, but Schindler in Schindler's List. She was kind of famous. Thanks for bringing that up. I I had never made that. I've seen Hook a hundred times. I've never made that connection. That was the same actress. So um, and the last one I talk about is Janine Turner, who plays Jesse. That's um Stallone's girlfriend, and she also works for the rescue crew. So she was hot shit for like a minute in the 90s, um, but it never really went anywhere. And it was all because of like for a year or two, Northern Exposure was just like this really insanely popular show. Have you ever watched Northern Exposure? I've never have. It's sort of like Melrose Place set in Alaska starring people that behave like Alaskans instead of people that behave like they're from L.A. So you could see how you could see how it could work, right? Yeah, I could see it. This. Yeah, so it was super popular for about a year or two, uh, and I don't know why it didn't go anywhere. And um, my at the time, my sister had this boyfriend, this guy named Troy, and he was like seventeen, and like he used to tell everybody that he was a model and all this. And like his big thing was like he did a walk by in Northern Exposure, and I remember thinking that was so cool when I was like eight that he like walked through a scene of Northern Exposure. Oh wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, Janine Turner was the prettiest, like, main female character in Northern Exposure. I didn't really watch it. I was, I was too young at the time. Yeah. It's kind of one of those shows that might be interesting to go back and rewatch. It might be, yeah. That guy from Grey's Anatomy is in it, I think. McSteamy or... Oh, is he really? Patrick Dempsey? No, not Patrick Dempsey. The other... Oh, that's McDreamy. I'm think... sorry. There's, there oh, is, there are two Micks in that. I don't... Uh... I'm I'm unsure. I'll figure it out. But uh, uh, it was the guy from Quiz Show. Have you seen Quiz Show? I haven't for a really long time. Uh, is his name Rob Quiz... Morrow? Yeah, oh, Rob Morrow. I think it's Morrow, but yeah, that's him. Whoa! Holy shit! This has 110 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. I know, and it's one of the, like you never see it streaming, and you never hear people talking about Northern Exposure. But it was really popular for a while. Wow. Huh. Am I, I, I and like Janine I... Turner was the prettiest. Janine Turner was the prettiest girl on it. Oh, and this and this show was all f- filmed in uh, Roslyn, Washington, uh, not in Alaska. Interesting. So Roslyn's like right so, outside of uh, Seattle. I was hoping we could talk about some of our favorite scenes. Yeah, let's do it. You you mentioned the opening scene where Stallone drops Hal's girlfriend. Do you remember? Did the scene from Ace Ventura two? suddenly bring new light to you because the opening scene in ace Ventura 2 is almost like a shot for shot parody of cliffhanger oh is it i honestly i've only ever seen ace Ventura like once and that was in the theaters like i've never like went back and watched that the second well 
Well, that's surprising. Good for you. Ace Ventura Zoo is definitely not as good. I mean, it's, it's got its moments, though. Yeah. Like like climbing out of the rhino ass. Yeah, anyway, I mean, that, that's like the one thing I remember from it. Well, the whole opening scene of Ace Ventura 2 is just a big parody of the opening scene in Cliffhanger. And like uh, he he drops like a stuffed animal or something. So it's not like too heavy. Right. Like the mid air heist, which I was talking about a minute ago, is fucking awesome. Don't you think the mid try, tr- tr- try and describe it again to our listeners. Basically, it's like two planes flying right next to each other. And they have this big cord that's like. Like going from one plane to the other. And this is that's how they get the people from the, the bad guys from the, the plane with the money to the plane down. But then they also are gonna swing the 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 cases of money down with it, and yeah, it's but like it is, it's really well done with like the because like John Lithgow like goes down through it, and then I, the, and then the other bad guy goes and like leaves the leaves the cases behind to have the pilot bring them down with them, and they're like when the FBI guy gets on, they're like, why don't you send the cases? And he's like, well, I had a feeling that you'd probably kill me if did that first. So yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna send the cases to you guys. And I'm gonna stay in the other plane. Fuck that. And then that's when the one of the the FBI agent who like you think is really the mole to begin the movie, actually he has been shot, but he get comes back to life and kind of screws everything up for the for the bad guys. Shoots a bunch of holes into the plane, which is why the plane crashes, and then the cases fall in the top of the mountains. Um, yeah, it was a good scene. I, it's really good. It's a really cool, interesting, well shot scene. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's these two characters who I really like in this movie and I have no idea what their names are, but they're like these, they're like Bill and Ted, essentially. They're just like these like early nineties, dorky, like thrill seeker guys. Like they're dudes straight out of point break really. Yeah. Or, or Bill and Ted, like I said, and they're cliff jumpers and they climb mountains and then like uh parachute down them that's like what they're into and these guys keep like popping up in this movie as almost just like like a bit of a change of pace like let's stop being so heavy let's cut to like these kind of weird you know point breakish guys and they're fun they're like you know they're just fun nice young guys just out fucking around and then it gets like really heavy because like uh tucker is with all the bad guys and he like walks up on them and he realizes the bad guys are going to, like, kill these kids. So Tucker's like, get the hell out of here! Run! Get the fuck out of here! So the two kids start, like, running, and they, they like, jump off the mountain with their parachutes. And the bad guys are, like, shooting them like fucking ducks in the water. And they they kill one of the kids, and he just, like, falls down to his death. And the other kid, he gets <laughs> shot, and he's, like, hanging from his parachute, like, bleeding down into the white snow, and wolves are jumping up at his feet. It's really cool. It looks I fucking love this movie. <laughs> I just love how it looked. And then, Brennan, you, you mentioned how good the ending is, so you should talk about that. So what happens in the very end is that Jesse, she has not realized that the helica- helicopter pilot has been killed yet. But John Lithgow, who apparently knows how to fly helicopters, comes up, and she's like, oh, but Frank, right here, Frank. And then all of a sudden, John Lithgow appears, and he's like pointing a gun at her through the through the helicopter, and she's like puts her hands up and basically and like so now John Lithgow has Jesse in the helicopter and the helicopter shows up where Sylvester Sloan is with like they're in communication like Sylvester Sloan like I got your I got your money come and get it but now John Lithgow has like the collateral to like make sure he actually gets the money 
because he has the girlfriend. Sylvester Sloan tells him, drop her off over here and then come back and get the money. He comes back and Jesse has now put herself down on the ground with a cable with a big um, a hook on it. And she leaves it down there and that comes back in a couple minutes. John Lithgow comes back. Sylvester Sloan throws the bag of money like he's throwing it into the cockpit, but really throws it into the the propellers and it like goes everywhere. And all of a sudden, like, and he starts running towards the, the cliff edge with the cable. And then he kind of attaches it on this, like um this ladder that's at the top of this mountain. And now like John Lithgow cannot go anywhere. Cause he's kind of, he's attached to this thing. And basically what happens is like the plane kind of gets out of control. Sylvester Stallone has to jump off the side of the mountain and grab this, this uh, ladder that it's, that the helicopter is now attached to. And as the helicopter is like falling, Sylvester Stallone's getting pulled further down. And then him and uh, Sylvester Stallone and John Lithgow have this like kind of fight on the top of a helicopter. Then John Lithgow falls to his death and Sylvester Stallone gets up to the top and that's when the movie ends. There's really nothing that happens afterwards. There's no postscript no, at all. No, that's the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's the end. It was it was very action it was very action packed. I will say the action of this movie it was nonstop, and I, I can I can see. Is this you talking shit again? Because honestly, like everything you've said has been like a low key compliment. Oh, I got my. I mean, I want to save myself for dumb shit. Okay, all right, all right, we're almost there. You're right. Um, so the production history, uh, the this and that of that movie, it was directed by a guy named Rennie Harlan. He did Deep Blue Sea, which is also a really fun bad action movie it's not good but it's fun like this mm-hmm. he also did die hard 2 which is it's better than live free and die hard but otherwise it's probably the shittiest die hard movie mm. and uh he also did nightmare on elm street 4 which is kind of meh uh nightmare on elm street 4 doesn't flow particularly well in my opinion the the movie cliffhanger was written by his name is michael france and this michael france wrote golden eye which is a kick-ass 1990 it's like my favorite bond movie um he wrote the punisher in 2004 with thomas jane which is i really like that movie he wrote the hulk in 2003 and the fantastic four in 2005 which i haven't seen but then as he is one to do stallone rewrote the screenplay just like he rewrote james cameron's rambo 2 screenplay which would be fun to talk about sometime but stallone he wrote the rocky and the movies or he rewrote them he also wrote the expendables he wrote the movie the cobra like Stallone is a very accomplished writer and that always gets buried yeah. like when people are evaluating Stallone. And as a writer, I always try and like, hey, this guy also fucking writes. Like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Stallone has a lot more talent than he's given credit for. It just all gets kind of pushed behind that kind of weird little Italian like facade he did for so long. Um, uh, I mentioned the cinematography in this movie. But it also got three Academy Award nominations. All right. Let me say that again. 1993 action movie starring Sylvester Stallone and John Lithgow doing Peaking the Brain Accent got three Academy Award nominations. All right. It doesn't seem to go together. They're, does all, it? Tec- it all, they're all technical awards. So shitty action movies don't get anything. That's not true. Right? Marvel movies are always nominated in those categories in today's okay, well, I'm not. I, I don't have the patience to talk about <laughs> Marvel with you, which I don't classify at all the same way I do 80s and 90s action movies, That's fair. by the way. Best sound, best sound editing, and best visual effects. They all lost to Jurassic Park, understandably. Yeah. But shit, dude, you, you came out the same year as Jurassic Park. 
and you lost best visual effects to Jurassic Park. Okay, that's all right, fine. That's like that's the 2013 Broncos losing to the 2013 Seahawks. Like, okay, you were just legitimately outclassed, buddy. Like, you just didn't belong in that game. So, cliffhangers in the Guinness Book of World Records for the costliest aerial stunt ever performed when stuntman Simon Crane was paid $1 million to perform the aerial transfer scene where he crossed between the two airplanes at an altitude of over 15,000. This movie's just awesome. The, the production that went into this movie, they, they fucking nailed it. I, I just don't get why this movie isn't more popular. I do have this funny story. Cliffhanger came out as a really shitty video game on Super Nintendo, and Super Nintendo did this all the time in the 90s. Like, if there was a movie that was even a little bit popular, it would get some Super Nintendo game. That didn't mean that it was going to get anybody that ever seen the movie. It didn't didn't mean it was going to have anything to do with the movie, but you were going to get some video game with the same name and generally the same plot. So I'm playing Cliffhanger, the video game, at the SeaTac Mall inside a video game store one day, and it's got some, like, snarky, like, 19-year-old douchebag kid that works there who's just, like, one of these asshole teenagers that shits on everything. And I'm playing Cliffhanger, and I'm climbing up this, like, cliff base, and I get shot in like the hand and my health bar is full. And this kid's watching me play because there's nothing else going on. This 19 year old kid. And I'm like, you know, 10 at the time, maybe probably nine. And I turned to the guy and I was like, hey, dude, why did I die? I just got shot. I only got shot in the hand. My health bar was full. And this kid was like, I never forget this. He goes, uh, you got shot in the hand while you're climbing a mountain. It's realistic. And I'm like, okay, sorry. So like I, I like come back and I start my next life and I'm climbing this cliff face again and this dude is shooting me like point blank in the head with like a machine gun like three times. I was like, tuh, 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 and I just kind of walk it off. <laughs> I just keep and I like look to the kid, I'm like, so realistic. <laughs> I'm like nine years old, spitting out sarcasm with this fucking bitch 19-year-old, like hot topic store looking kid. So proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway had to share that yeah um in 1994 this movie had a sequel planned about stallone fighting terrorists over the hoover dam <laughs> well, i'm glad that was it canceled. got canceled yeah probably good thing um 2008 there was plans for a sequel or remake those were then later canceled and then in 2009 a female-led cliffhanger remake was announced with jason momoa rumored it to be attached to it um it's still in the works i think that movie probably got um uh it's probably just it, it was in it was announced in 2019 and probably got like stalled out by covid stuff but uh i i wonder in this in this world of now we can get into the dumb shit for, i'm very into um climbing rock climbing history and i love rock climbing uh documentaries like and it all started with the one that um, is probably the most famous is Solo, which is about Al- Alex Honnold who free soloed um, a mountain mountain in Yosemite. That means he climbed the mountain without any ropes or harnesses or anything. He just did it all by himself, and it's a intense documentary, especially when they show him doing it. But yeah, let's get into the into this part that I've been waiting so long for. Dumb shit. You talked about how cinematic this movie is. It's what drove me crazy about this movie. They show these amazing set pieces of like them on the mountains and everything. Then you can tell that they're so far away, like you that they're doubles on the mountain. And then they cut to 
Stallone and Jesse on that mountain. And now they're on a set and they're not in the mountains anymore. And it's like, it's so distracting because it's like every time they show a big aerial shot, they then show characters like close up on a soundstage, obviously. And it, and it doesn't even look like where they were at at all. And it's so, it's so distracting. It was so distracting to me. And it may, it really took me out of the movie. Especially the scene. So I don't know what you're talking about. Like I like I don't know that I've watched this movie on my new 4K TV. Like I didn't rewatch it in preparation. So like the differences in the technology that you're talking about, maybe that you watched on your TV, those were not apparent to me in the 90s. Well, I'm saying they're apparent to me now, and that's why it's so distracting now, and why it, like it takes me out of it. I happen to know though that a ton of this movie was filmed on location. I'm sure like, some of it was, but then there's some of it that will like, just. Like the the cave scene, for example, that was not shot in location. That's like it looks so fake. Well, well, you'd have to find a cave. I mean, it's it's too hard to find a cave that fits your screenplay. Typically, like you have a story that fits a fits a narrative, and you you can't go find that exact cave. So you build one. And so I guess the, my point is is like I've watched so many like rock climbing documentaries, and then I watched this movie, and they're showing like like Sylvester Sloan and like climbing on a mountain. And you're like, that's just not what mountains look like when you climb them. It looks nothing like what a mountain would, any climber would climb. It does, they don't look like that. And it was like, that was what was some of the really dumb shit about it. And they show, and it happens a lot. What, what did you think was dumb about this movie? Two things. So when the, when the transfer scene happens where they transfer the money from one plane to the other, these three money bags get caught on, a, on the cable, like Brennan said. And the bad guy's plane is flying for a while, holding the cable directly beneath it with the three money bags affixed to the cable. Then at some point, the cable gets cut off or loses, and all three money bags fall down into the Rocky Mountains. Okay, fine. The problem is the whole movie is about these two, these two like Rocky Mountain rescue crew guys are racing to get there faster, but they fell from the exact same point above the but they landed like like miles and miles and miles apart like days apart like they find bag one on day one and they don't find the next bag till like the end of day two and they don't find the third bag till like day four like they're like a whole day apart even though they fell from the exact same point beneath this cable from the plane which you know it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's weird that they all fell on right on, directly on top of these mountains. Like none of them fell. Like if they all fell miles apart, one of them would have fallen like in a city <laughs> or like in a place where people are at. Like, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Like I, I, I think it does make sense from being so far apart, kind of like depending on how high the plane was. Like if the plane's like a couple miles up in the air, but if it was really close and you're right, like they should have only been like... Well, the plane was at least three miles up in the air. Yeah, so they they could have we know, fallen we, pretty far from each but other. But they all fell at the same place and point of time. Yeah, and they didn't have parachutes on them. They just fell. Yeah, and they didn't fall. like It's not like one fell, then the second fell, then the third fell. No, they all three fell at the same time. Like the cable was lost, so they all three went down with the cable. They should all three be like in a little bundle together. Yeah. Or at least very, very close by. <laughs> Hey, that's like, that, that's, within, not, a, that's within, not a good movie then. <laughs> if they're all well, right there. It's definitely a plot hole. <laughs> and then there's this kind of stupid scene where like Stallone finds the second bag of money and him and his girlfriend are like cold because they're on fucking they're on the mountains <laughs> and they have to like they have to burn the money. Cost a fortune to eat this place. Uh, really stupid. <laughs> uh, 
I was thinking to myself, like, you're pocketing a couple of those thousand dollar bills, right? Well, you'd think, except that they said that's funny money and it burns oh. funny. Oh, and it burns like, funny? Yeah. If, when they're burning it, didn't it have like funny colored smoke? Oh, okay. I, I guess that's it. The movie's a, a reasonable 113 minutes, so it's under two hours, which is my rule for there's a big lot of stuff going on. It's 67% on rock. Vernon, what, el- what else do you have to say about Cliffhanger? Where does this rank on your 90s action movies? Is it really your number one? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. The Rock is much better. Fuck, The Matrix is much, much better. I'm just saying it's a it's on my list of good action movies. Like if I had to if I had to rank a top 20. It would be on my top 20. It'd probably be on my top 15, maybe. Well, that's probably right around the argument. Like, is it in the 15, 20 range? Probably, yeah. Right. And maybe, and I I do have a memory of, like, my dad renting this and this never, like, because there's a scene in, like, Burning the Money, like, that I remember as a child, like, kind of scene. But, like, I think it was just one of those movies that either my dad didn't want me to watch or I didn't watch because I just, I fell asleep or something like that. And we just never rented it again. Like... Because when I think of Stallone, like I think of so many more '90s movies, like Dem- like Demolition Man, like is like Demolition Man is probably one of my favorite '90s action movies, and it is a a terrible action movie. Um, yeah, that one I find that one so corny. Yeah, and they're I, very serious in this one. This one's like it has a much more serious tone. Right. Yeah, and this is like, I mean, this is after Tango and Cash, though. Like, so. It was also after Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, that's true. Maybe he was like trying to get back into the action movies. <laughs> it kind of feels like that. Yeah. Honestly, it kind of I think I think he did this like exactly like after Stop or My Like this was like his next movie after that. Mm. So he's like, I need to like get back into what I'm good at, you know? Yeah, because he did yeah, Tango and Cash, which didn't do great. And uh and then I guess that and he did probably did I like I like Tango and Cash. I think it's good. I've one no, I, I another movie I've only seen like once. I would say like you can you can stream this on a lot of different places online and uh, watch it if you, like if you want to get high or whatever. Like it's a good movie to watch high. I will say that it was fun. Some of the the climbing stuff was just like so not realistic that it kind of just bothered me. Okay, well if we don't bother you, we'd love it if you got online and gave us those awesome four uh, five star reviews on Apple iTunes Music. Brennan, they can email you at super90sbrothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. They can tweet you at super90sbrothers, at Spocast Pods. They can check out my shit at adampitzler.com. Brennan, do you have anything else to say? Go get high. All right, for Brennan Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. <laughs> this has been another avalanching episode of Super 90s Bros, Sylvester Stallone style. And remember, if you're ever responsible for dropping a woman down a cliff to her death, killing English terrorists is the best medicine for your wounded soul. I must admit you're a real piece of work. Yeah, and I must admit you're a real piece of shit. That is warm as it's here. And I swear to the song that I'll never be.